Alright, what's going on guys? It's Josh Huggett here back again for another episode of The Vegucated Podcast. So thank you very much for tuning in. I hope this day is treating you fantastically. I hope you're having the best day you possibly can. Um, this episode of The Vegucated Podcast, as you would know because you've read the title, is about Ingrid Newkirk who is the founder, well, one of the founders of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. I started looking into her, and I'm really enjoying looking back and kind of researching into all these larger figures and learning about where they came from and how they got to where they are today, you know, all these big players in animal rights. So I thought you would enjoy coming on this audio journey with me into the life of Ingrid Newkirk. Tracing her back uh, pretty far. Um, but yeah, I've read most of it before. It's like the start's pretty fucked. Um, like how she got entitled more rights because she had no actual intentions of being vegetarian or anything. Um, but we'll get into that later. So without further ado, we're going to start the podcast. Um, Ingrid E. Newkirk, born June 11, 1949, is an English-born British-American animal rights activist and the president of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, uh, the world's largest animal rights organisation. She is the author of several books, including Making Kind Choices and The PETA Practical Guide to Animal Rights, Simple Acts of Kindness to Help Animals in Trouble. Uh, Newkirk has worked for the animal right protection movement since 1972 under her leadership in the 1970s as the District of Columbia's first female pound master legislation was passed to create the first spray slash neuter clinic in Washington DC as well as an adoption program and the public funding of veterinary services. Uh, leading her to be among those chosen in 1980 as Washington's as Washingtonians of the year. Um, Newcoat founded PETA in March 1980 with fellow animal rights activist Alex Pacheco. Or Pacheco. Uh, they came to public attention in 1981 during what was known as the Silver Spring Monkeys case when Pacheco photographed 17... Mackay, Makuyu, Makuk, Makuyu monkeys being experimented on inside the Institute of Behavioral Research in Silver Spring, Maryland. The case led to the first police raid in the United States on an animal research laboratory and to an amendment in 1985 to the Animal Welfare Act. Since then, Newkirk has led campaigns to stop the use of animals in crash tests, convinced companies to stop testing cosmetics on animals, pressed for higher welfare standards from the meat industry, and organised undercover investigations that have led to government sanctions against companies, universities, and entertainers who use animals. She is known in particular for the media stunts that she organises to draw attention to animal protection issues. In her will, for example, she has asked that her skin be turned into wallets, her feet into umbrella stands, and her flesh into Newkirk nuggets, then grilled on a barbecue. Which is fuck, like, 
she's you know when she so essentially what what what's saying is when she dies she wants all of these things to happen to her which i'm not entirely sure what that would prove like we already know where the stuff comes from so i don't really i don't really understand it is this what she's asked for um we are complete press sluts she told the new yorker in 2003 it's our obligation we would be worthless if we were just polite and didn't make waves which is true, making your way onto the news and into these, you know, newspapers, um, blogs, etc. is the way to get your message heard. We can sit here and be polite and ask people to think, you know, ask people not to eat meat as much as we like. But if you want to reach the masses, then you need to do it in a way that gains the attention of these masses. And some of the things that she does definitely do that. You can see that with the you know, the naked fur campaigns where she gets these really attractive models and she gets them to pose naked, saying, I'd rather be naked than wear fur. Um, obviously gets lots of attention that way, so... Uh, although Peter takes a gradualist approach to improving animal welfare, Newkirk remains committed to ending animal use and the idea that, as Peter's slogan says... <coughs> Sorry, animals are not ours to eat, wear, experiment on, or f use for entertainment. I'm sorry about those bloody dogs. Alright, sorry about that. The dogs still haven't learnt what recording means. Ah, uh, where were we? As Peter's slogan says, animals are not ours to eat, wear, experiment on, or for use of entertainment. Some animal rights abolitionists, most notably Gary Francione, who I'll also be doing an episode on, have criticised Peter, calling it and other groups the new welfareists. Some members of the animal advocacy movement have responded that Francione's position is unnecessarily divisive. Newkirk has also been criticised for her support of actions carried out in the name of the Animal Liberation Front. Newkirk's position is that the animal rights movement is a revolutionary one and that thinkers may prepare revolutions, but bandits must carry them on. Peter itself, however, maintains a creed of non-violence and does not advocate actions in which anyone, human or non-human, is injured. Newkirk and Peter have also been criticised for euthanising many of the animals taken into Peter's shelters and Peter has responded to this line of criticism, which I couldn't find them addressing it. I couldn't, I had a quick glance, but I couldn't really find anything. Maybe I have to do a, well, I'll probably do another episode on Peter themselves and the good and the bad. This is purely about Ingrid. Uh, Peter has been in the news in the southern part of India for banning, for the banning of Jalakatu sport, which is a cultural symbol of Tamils for thousands of years. The state is witnessing one of the biggest leaderless agitation using social media as a tool to organise these massive protests. Uh, now that we've got a bit of an overdue on Ingrid and Peter, this is a bit more on like, a bit more of the biology side of things. So we trace her, not biology, biography. Trace her back to where she was born and how she came to be who she is um, and some of the stuff that she's actually brought out. Newkirk was born in Britain, where she lived in the Orkney Islands and in Ware, Hertfordshire. Sorry, Hertfordshire. Uh, her father was a navigational engineer. 
and when she was seven, the family moved to New Delhi, India, where her father worked for the government. While her mother volunteered for Mother Teresa in a leper colony and came home, and sorry, and a home for unwed mothers. Newkirk attended a convent boarding school in the Himalayas for well-to-do Indian nationals and non-natives. It was the done thing for a British girl in India, she told Michael Spector of The New Yorker. But I was the only British girl in the school. I was hit constantly by nuns, starved by nuns. Uh, the whole God thing was shoved down, was shoved right down my throat. Newkirk helped her mother out in the leper colony, packing pills and rolling bandages, stuffing toys for orphans and feeding strays, and says that this informed her view that anyone in need, including animals, was worthy of concern, along with her mother's advice that it doesn't matter who suffers, but how. Uh, She tells the story of an early experience of trying to rescue an animal when she heard the laughter in the alleyway behind the family home in New Delhi. A group of people had bound a dog's legs, muzzled him, then lowered him into a muddy ditch, laughing as they watched him try to escape. Newkirk asked her servant to bring the dog to her and tried to get him to drink some water, but someone had packed his throat with mud. He died in her arms. She told the Financial Times that this was a turning point. Which, I'm pretty sure if that happened to anybody would be a turning point. Having a, That's just... Yeah, I don't really know how or what to say on that. Uh, when she was 18, the family moved to Florida, where her father worked on designing bomb systems for the United States Air Force. It was there that she met her husband, Steve Newkirk. The couple divorced in 1980. He introduced her to Formula One racing, which, along with sumo wrestling, remains one of her greatest passions. According to The New Yorker, it's sex. The first time you hear them rev their engines, my God, that noise goes straight up my spine. Uh, Until she was 22, Ingrid Ingrid Newkirk had given no thought to animal rights or even vegetarianism. In 1970, she and her husband moved to Poolsville, Maryland, where she studied to become a stockbroker. A neighbour abandoned some kittens, and Newkirk decided to take them to an animal shelter. She told Spectre, when I arrived at the shelter, the woman said, come in the back and we'll just put them down there. I thought, how nice, you'll set them up with a place to live. So I waited out the front for a while and then I asked if I could go back and see them. The woman just looked at me and said, what are you talking about? They're all dead. I just snapped when I heard those kittens were dead. The woman was so rude. The place was a junk heap in the middle of nowhere. It couldn't have been more horrible. For some reason, and even now, I don't know what it was, I decided I needed to do something about it. So I thought, I'm going to work here. Newkirk took a job in the kennels, witnessing the mistreatment of the animals, including physical abuse. Kathy Snow Guillermo writes that Newkirk disinfected kennels by day, and by night studied animal care, animal behaviour, and animal cruelty investigations. I went to the front office all the time, and I would say, John is kicking the dogs and putting them into freezers. Or I would say, they're stepping on the animals, crushing them like grapes, and they don't care. In the end, 
I would go to work early before anyone got there and I would just kill the animals myself because I couldn't stand to let them go through that. I must have killed a thousand of them, sometimes dozens every day. Some of those people would take pleasure in making them suffer and it was my duty to save them. Reading that story for the first time blew my mind. So imagine finding a box of kittens. I presume most of the people listening to this are already vegan, so I'm not really here to prove anybody's point. But imagine now finding a box of kittens and taking it to a shelter and then just finding out that they just killed them all instantly. And then getting a job at this shelter, which is meant to be saving animals, and finding them abused, like kicked and put into freezers, or stepping on them, crushing them like grapes. Like, it's just fucked. Um, This is the 70s, obviously it wasn't as strict as it is now. But even then, like, it makes you think about what's actually happening in these other shelters that aren't as sanctioned and, you know, the kind of, I don't know, just things that go on behind closed doors. It really makes you worry. And then for her to put herself out there and have to kill those animals herself purely so that, like, imagine killing thousands of animals purely because you knew it was the best thing for them because otherwise she's going to be, you know, tortured. It's just... That would really take its toll on someone, I think. Um, She blew the whistle on the shelter and became an animal protection officer. First for Montgomery County, Maryland, then for the District of Columbia. She became DC's first female poundmaster, persuading the city to fund veterinary services and to set up an adoption program, uh, an investigations department and a pet sterilization program. By 1976, she was the head of the Animal Disease Control Division for the District of Columbia Commission on Public Health. In 1980, Newkirk met Alex Paquito in a DC shelter where he was working as a volunteer. It was Paquito who introduced Newkirk to the concept of animal rights. Paquito presented her with a copy of Peter Singer's Animal Liberation. Sidebar. I just bought that book online. I'm waiting for it. I bought the original version. I'm waiting for it to come in. So I might do like a book review podcast once I finish reading it. Or I don't know. But this is the book that everybody reads. That, you know, it's a big turning point book. Um, all right. She has said that Singer put into words what she had felt intuitively for a long time. So she called Paquito Alex the Abdul a name given to messengers in Muslim stories. The concept of animal rights was at the time almost unheard of in the US. The modern animal rights movement had started in England eight years earlier in 1972 when a group of Oxford University scholars participating in particularly philosophers had formed the Oxford Group to promote the idea that discrimination against individuals on the basis of their species is as irrational as discrimination on the basis of race or sex. Uh, In March 1980, Newkirk and Piquito decided to form a group to educate the American public about these ideas. At first consisting of what Newkirk called five people in a basement. Uh, The couple also fell in love and began living together. 
Although they were very different, Newkirk was older, practical and very organised, whereas Paquito spent his time in white painter's overalls eating vegetarian hot dogs straight from the can. Uh, one of the... Okay, so that is the beginnings where Peter came from. Right now is going in to the Silver Spring Monkeys, which is a big, their first big animal rights event. Um, one of the Silver Spring Monkeys in a restraint chair. The oh, sorry, the the case of the Silver Spring Monkeys, an animal research controversy that lasted ten years, transformed Peter from just Newkirk Piquito and a small group of friends into an international movement. In mid-1981, Piquito took a job as a volunteer inside the Institute of Behavioural Research in Silver Spring, Maryland, so that he and Newkirk would have some first-hand knowledge on which to base their campaigns. Edward Tarb, a psychologist, was working there on 17 monkeys. He had cut sensory ganglia that supplied nerves to their arms and legs, then used physical restraint, electric shock, and withholding of food to force them to use the limbs. The idea was to see whether monkeys could be, intru- uh, could be induced to use the limbs they could not feel, which, absolutely disgusting. Uh, Piquito repeatedly went into the lab at night to take photographs and to escort scientists including veterinarians and primatologists, threw it to secure their testimony. Newkirk lay crouched on the back seat of the car outside, hidden under a large cardboard box with holes for her eyes, using a walkie-talkie from a toy store to alert Paquito if anyone else entered the building. The monkeys living, the monkeys living conditions documented by Paquito were graphically disturbing. Having collected the evidence, Newkirk and Paquito alerted the police, who raided the lab, removed the monkeys, and charged Torb with 113 counts of cruelty to animals and six counts of failing to provide adequate veterinary care. Taub maintained that he had been set up by Newkirk and Paquito while he was on vacation and that several of the uh, photographs had been staged. The judge found Tabe guilty of six counts of cruelty to animals for failing to provide veterinary care and then fined him $3,000. A later jury trial saw five of these counts diminish, uh, sorry, dismissed and the sixth was overturned on appeal because of a technicality. The National Institute of Health, which had funded Torb's research, was among the scientists and the other professionals who criticised the conditions in which Taub had kept the monkeys, though the NIH later reversed its decision when the charges against her were overturned. So after all that, showing the actual conditions, showing the monkeys, all of the evidence, it's overturned, which is a too common thing in animal rights where they're just, you know, it doesn't really get taken too seriously because, you know, animals can't actually speak for themselves. They can't actually make a case. It's all, you know... If you get a judge or a jury that doesn't really care that much about animals, then nothing's really going to happen. We learned all about it in the animal history podcast that we did. Um, it's just years of mistreatment because they can't talk. You know, if animals could talk and could make a case, then maybe it would be different, but it definitely isn't. Um, Newkirk and Paquito found themselves thrust overnight into the public eye. 
the images of the restrained animals became iconic after the Washington Post posted one, sorry, published one of them on its front page. It was the first police raid on an animal research facility in the U.S. and the first conviction of an animal researcher. The controversy led to an amendment to the 1985 Animal Welfare Act, became the first animal rights case to be heard before the United States Supreme Court, and established Peter as an internationally known animal rights group, with Newkirk as its outspoken president. Uh, Newkirk has been criticised for publicising actions carried out in the name of Animal Liberation Front. She supports the goals of the Animal Liberation Front, arguing that not until black demonstrators resorted to violence did the national government work seriously for civil rights legislation. In 1850, white abolitionists have given up on peaceful means, began to encourage and engage in actions that disrupted plantation operations and liberated slaves. Was that all wrong? She said that she understands but shrinks from actions that involve arson. I do support getting animals out in the way... In the same way I would have supported getting human slaves out, child labour, sex slaves, the whole lot. But I do not support burning. I don't support arson. I would rather that these buildings weren't standing, so on some level I understand. I just don't like the idea of that. Maybe that is wishy-washy of me, because I don't want those buildings standing if they're going to hurt anyone. And the ALF has never hurt mice nor mare. She has been accused of having had a... Hang on. She has been accused of having had advanced knowledge of one ALF action. During the 1995 trial of Rob Coronado Coronado, in connection with an arson attack at Michigan State University, U.S. Attorney Michael Detmer alleged that Newkirk had arranged in advance of the attack to have Corondo send her stolen documents from the university and a videotape of the action. Uh, Newkirk and Matthew Gallican, who directed... Uh, Newkirk and her cause provoked strong feelings, both sensitive and negative, spectre and non-vegetarian, who did not see eye... Oh, sorry. Spectre, a non-vegetarian, who did not see eye to eye with her wrote, Newkirk is well-read. She can be witty. She is not pros, uh, denouncing or attacking the 99% of humanity that sees the world differently from the way she does. She's good company. After years of detestable public behaviour, however, she has the popular image of a monster. Whenever I mentioned her name to friends, they would recoil. Um, And she becomes more disliked with every Peter stunt. She can't walk through an airport without accosting any woman who was wearing fur. She no longer takes vacations in tropical or poor countries like Mexico because they spend the whole time rescuing animals from their horrid owners. Spectre also questioned her about a 2003 letter that she wrote to Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat to protest the use of a donkey as a suicide bomber. We are named people for the ethical treatment of our animals, she replied. There are plenty of other groups that worry about the humans. Elsewhere, Newkirk has said, in this business, I am very easy to cubby hole. 
As someone said to me the other day, they had seen the HBO special and they said, are you really a sad, obsessed person? And I thought, no, I'm not really a sad person, except when I lie awake at night in winter thinking about all the animals without shelter and then I'm sad. Who wouldn't be? Wouldn't anybody be sad if they had if they have a heart? It's just that I've seen so much, which is so true. The more that you actually see, the more aware you become of these things, the harder it is to just carry on with day-to-day activities. You know, I, we're, it's the, what's the, the burden of knowledge, I think it is, where, you know, the more you actually know, the more you've seen, um, yeah, it just doesn't get any easier, I guess. Um, having seen lots of things firsthand myself, I can attest to the fact that it just kind of enrages you more than actually helping. So I can understand her when she's saying, you know, that she lies in bed in winter thinking of all the animals that don't have shelter. Um, because it's true, there'd be thousands, millions maybe of animals out there without shelter, you know, domesticated animals that are having to find a way to undomesticate themselves essentially so that they can survive because of the the way they've been treated by humans or they've been kicked out or thrown on the curb or you know it's we spent these thousands millions of years domesticating animals and then we just treat them like shit and throw them on the road and then expect them to survive when they've got not you know i don't know if i'm making any sense it's been a long day um Newkirk has had celebrity friends and admirers who have spoken highly of her. Uh, Sam Simon said in an interview, I learned about animal rights from my favourite person in the whole world, Ingrid Newkirk at PETA. Also, Alec Baldwin contributing, contributed to the following blurb to Newkirk's book, Making Kind Choices. Ingrid Newkirk is not only a thoughtful animal rights and environmental activist, she is an inspirational speaker, a heroine a woman whom so many depend around the world for information and guidance. In a world where she, where all animals everywhere are more threatened than ever, Ingrid Newkirk is their champion. Newkirk has been accused of employing a double standard for her organisation's practice of euthanising animals for which it has neither the space nor resources to shelter. Deborah Saunders, a critic of Newkirk, argues that Peter assails other parties for killing animals for food or research and it kills animals, but for really important reasons such as running out of room. Newkirk explains on Peter's website that as long as the animals are still purposely bred and people aren't spaying and neutering their companions, open admission animal shelters and organisations like Peter must do society's dirty work. Euthanasia is not a solution to overpopulation, but rather a tragic necessity given the present crisis. Newkirk and Peter both oppose the animal testing out of principle as well on practical grounds. Spectre asked whether she would be opposed to experiments on 5,000 rats or even chimpanzees if it was needed to cure AIDS. She replied, Would you be opposed to experiments on your daughter if you knew it would save 50 million people? Which, it's a very good um, argument. Animal testing is so outdated and unnecessary. I remember a statistic I read a few years ago that was, you know, something along the lines of 90% of the animal tests that are actually conducted 
have no use on humans because our biology is so different and the way that we react to things is so different. The only way to actually test these medicines on anything that's going to work on humans is to actually test it on humans. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't really like animal testing. But yes, that's Ingrid Newkirk. I thought that, you know, the beginning and the the foundation of who she is and how she came to be, I thought was really interesting. And the um, how she worked in that uh, rescue and how the, the box of kittens is really what sparked this whole Peter and the change there's like so much change to animal rights because of her um I thought that was an interesting one to do I will also do another one on Peter um the organization I'm going to do one on Peter Singer who is the man that has written the animal liberation books which actually got everybody started but they are podcasts for another day this has been the Vegetator Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I apologize for my yawning. It has been a very long day and I am fasting. But yes, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Vegetator Podcast. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button and that favorite or applause or review if you're on Apple or somewhere. The more reviews and stuff we get, the more... I Like I Google uh, vegan podcasts and stuff all the time and we are, you know, lower down in the ranks. Um... But, you know, we're lower than podcasts that haven't actually uploaded in like a year or two years, um, purely on a name basis. But if we get our reviews up, we can start getting up to the top. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening. I've been Josh Huggett. This is the Vegetator Podcast. Good night. <laughs>